Welcome to the season three preview of Literary Guys. I'm Dr. Gordon McCallum. And I'm author Zachary Kelly, and you're joining us, as always, from the Stardust Lounge, where we're both celebrating dry January. They're very confused by this, because as we said in the previous episode, we weren't going to come back until Crystal, the bartender, was here. She's returning, but now we're not drinking. (laughs) You know, the experience we had uh, in December is enough to stop me from drinking for quite some time. Which experience was that? The Seagram's Escapes. Oh my god, those were terrible. Again, the theory being that that's what they were serving us. (laughs) The only plausible theory. We did a little investigation afterwards, and we found a QFC that had a 12-pack of Seagram's Escapes. They are still sold, yes. Yeah, and validated that, yes, that's what we were being served. (laughs) So what we want to do today is pretty much give everybody a head start. Being a listener to this podcast, we are hoping that you're going to have a chance to read the books before we talk about them. Yeah, so we'll be returning with regular episodes in March, just about a month and a half away from now. But I wanted to give you guys a chance to start building up your library again, getting a head start on some of these great reads. I'm really excited about the season. I guess I shouldn't speak for you. Oh, I'm depressed as hell. (laughs) No, I'm really excited about the season. I know I've said that about the previous two seasons as well. I think we've had a lot of discussions, uh, Zach and I, about what would make for good content for this year. And we, of course, have listened to what our listeners are saying. And so thank you very much for that. And we'll get to that in a moment. But also, we've had a number of discussions about, like, what's important right now? Like, right now, going into 2023. There's books that would be fun to do and books that would be interesting. But, like, what actually is valuable right now to be reading, to be thinking about, to be analyzing? Because, let's be honest, these are difficult times. The world is changing quickly, and we have to consider masculinity and what it means going forward, then why not have some books that challenge us in ways that ask relevant questions about where we are today as a people? Yeah, and so a lot of the books that we chose are kind of roughly centered around that idea of change, that notion that we're all coming out of a pandemic right now, starting to really realize that things are never going to be quite the same as they were in Mm -hmm. in 2019 or before. And we wanted to kind of tackle some books where the men in the books themselves, the male authors writing them, people just kind of examining those kind of cataclysmic changes that seem to occur in our society once every 20, 30 years, and what we make of that, how we process through it. It won't be all the books, but I think a vast majority of them kind of fall into that theme. And I like that we've got a, a nice mix here. We've got, you know, some things that are old, some things that are new, some things that are borrowed, some that are blue. Well, you just got married, so that may just be stuck <laughs> in your head. And I got to say, I look creepy in a lot of your wedding photos. I know we've done a good job of kind of hiding your identity from our adoring listeners, mm-hmm. uh, mostly because you are such a stunningly handsome man. And we, we don't want the listenership to just be fanboys and mm-hmm. fangirls. Just, yeah, there's actual literary content. Right, right. So we're trying to dissuade people from that. But I, I'm so tempted to post some of those photos from the wedding because, as you pointed out, not only do they look badly photoshopped, Mm-hmm. But they also look like the things that you would see on Dateline, yeah. where it's like, and no one in this party ever suspected, because you are often looking dead-eyed into the camera. 
<laughs> Everybody else is just having the time of their lives. And and you were too. I was there. You were such a wonderful. You played a big role in everybody. You did a poetry reading, actually. You read the uh, poem Scaffolding by Seamus Heaney, the famous Northern Irish poet, which really kind of set my marriage off on a great tone. And, and as you yourself said, uh, confirmed bachelor yourself, who better to tell a heterosexual couple what their nuptials and their lives should be like than you? Nobody. That's it. <laughs> Anyhow, so I think it's time we jump right into it. As I said, we're going to be talking about a few changes that we've made to the format of Literary Guys as we go through this here. But the first one that we want to call out is we actually are not going to be doing a listener's choice mm-hmm. this year. And why is that? Well, we actually have taken a number of the comments and a number of the suggestions that we got through the past year as things for listeners' choice and just made them part of what we're doing this year. Two of the books, including the very first one that we're going to read, were listeners' choice suggestions. So instead, what we're going to do is we're going to ask, as the year goes on, at any time, send us ideas. We're going to be planning that schedule throughout the entirety of the year, thinking about it, arguing about it, you know, brandishing broken wine bottles and shouting at each other about it. You know, the basics. So that first suggestion, which was made by our loyal listener, David Howe, is Bright Light's Big City by Jay McInerney. I want to jump into this book because, number one, I think it's just going to be fun to start off the season with, but I think it acts as a great counterpoint to the books that we read last year by Bret Easton Ellis. Mm. And also, that was compared as well to the work of Chuck Palahniuk. In Bright Light's Big City, we see many of the same ideas, but we see a very different literary voice develop throughout the course of the novel. And I really want to talk to you about that because I think it's going to tell us a lot about constructive versus destructive masculinity. Okay. I like that. I like that. I also like that we will not stop until we have read every 80s cocaine novel in existence. That's why we started this podcast, right? I'm familiar with the the Michael J. Fox adaptation, but I have not read this book yet myself. So that's going to be first on my list is to go out to the bookstore and get a copy. Yep. It's a quick read. It's a fun read. I think you're going to like it. Coming up in April, we have a Pulitzer Prize winner for you all. Fairly recent, too. Yeah, we will be reading Less by Andrew Sean Greer. Now, this is another one that I have yet to read, and you've you got a head start on this one as well. Yeah, I actually read this cover to cover, not joking, on a flight from Seattle to Honolulu. Wow. I could not put the book down. I thought it was great, and I think it's going to be a little bit of a different novel than ones we've looked at in the past, but I think we're definitely interested in exploring other novels. It's a novel with a gay protagonist, but it's a book in many ways that is about the art of writing, and I think, I definitely hope that you get as much out of that as I did. Uh, Yeah, I can't wait. It's one of those, you see people reading it all the time, people are talking about it in book clubs. I think it's definitely one of those that has escaped kind of that gravitational orbit of the Pulitzer Prize and, yeah, yeah. and entered a little bit more into the mainstream. So I'm, I'm really excited to read this for the first time. Yeah, and there was a sequel that just came out. Oh, so uh, we're not going to be talking about that, but definitely something which is in the news. Interestingly, the book that we've got on tap for May also has a Hawaii connection. This is was uh, introduced to me by a couple of great friends uh, within days of each other, actually. They unknowingly both reached out to me. Uh, my friend Ronek and my friend Renee both reached out to me and said, you have to read this book. And, and indeed, I did. It's probably, of the books that have novels that have been written the last 10 years, it's probably my favorite. And uh, something that I'm really excited to share with our listenership, it is Sharks in the Time of Saviors by Kwai Strong Washburn. 
I do a lot of remote work on Hilo, the big island in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And this book was written by a Hilo native and about his time there on the island, but also about the amazing storytelling and folklore culture that exists in Polynesia. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's amazing breadth of literature that we haven't tackled from that area of the world yet. And I'm really excited to share with you guys something that I, for me at least is one of those really special works that I think will always stick with me. From everything you've told me, I am incredibly excited to read this book. And then in the following month is a book which I'm incredibly excited to talk about. We're going to do another nonfiction book here. I know we did Kitchen Confidential last season, which was a memoir. And the book that we're going to read in June is Predator, a memoir by Ander Monson. So the 1980s Predator movie is nonfiction? No, 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 no. So this is a book that is explicitly about masculinity and about how the archetype of the violence that was actually being mocked in many ways by the filmmakers in Predator with its completely over-the-top approach is very much related to that deeper sense of violence which has instilled in our culture today. And it attempts to explain why many of the feelings of masculinity can be rooted back to things from that era Mm -hmm. and how they particularly manifested at the time and what that was really a harbinger of going forward. So it's an incredible nonfiction book. It's super engaging, and it tells a number of stories that are unrelated at the onset. But at the end, I think I actually shed a few tears reading the end of that book because it's really insightful. Now, you made it sound very academic because we're here in front of microphones. But when you originally pitched it to me, you made it sound a lot more fun. (laughs) It's essentially a behind the scenes of the making of the movie, the novelization of the movie, Mm -hmm. and growing up as a kid in the 80s in general. Yeah. And that's what really sold me on the idea of kind of tackling this as our nonfiction read because... Man, like it or not, we all grew up watching R-rated Arnold Schwarzenegger movies long before we probably should have. Yes, absolutely. And how much has that, at least on some subconscious level, affected our views on masculinity? I love that this book is kind of parsing that out, and it seemingly does so in such an entertaining way. Yeah, it is a fantastic book, and I really wanted to make sure we featured it here because I think people might overlook it or think of it as a joke, and it's Mm. not at all. It's actually a book that I'm glad someone wrote. And this is something that you guys can pick up on Amazon.com. You can pick it up at your local bookstore. It is widely available, even if you haven't heard of it yet. So as I mentioned earlier, we have decided to make some tweaks to the Literary Guys formula going into season three. We're just going to be drinking now and not talking about books. Just 30 minutes of silent drinking. I don't think that's a change. Oh, well, the silent part is, but no. Um, We've heard your feedback, and we will remain silent for every episode. (laughs) Don't say we didn't listen. So one of the things that seemed to lead to more engaging discussion was when we had a little bit more time Mm -hmm. to dig into the books in one sitting. It was like we were just getting to some good discussion, and oftentimes we, you know, we're getting kicked out the door by Umberto because the Stardust Lounge was closing. But we've made some arrangements here so that we can be recording for longer, yeah. and that we can really get into, you know, the rhythm of the novel to really get into those deep conversations. And so we're going to be doing the books as singular episodes. So we're going to talk about the book cover to cover in one episode. And they're going to be longer episodes. 
and it means we're going to have fewer overall episodes next year, but I think it's going to really be a chance to dig into the book, and I hope that when you're listening to it as a podcast as well, that it gives you a chance to really immerse yourself in that environment as opposed to waiting week to week to hear what it is we're going to say. Yeah, and you know it's something we could always change back, but I'm excited to kind of try this new format with you. We still are going to be doing a bi-monthly podcast. Um, I guess we've always done a weekly podcast. This Mm -hmm. will be twice a month now. Uh, The first Monday will be the novel of the month that we'll talk about in depth. The third Monday, we're going to kind of reserve for some of the dramatic readings that we've done that you guys have given us some really good feedback on. Um, Maybe some more trips to used bookstores or some field trips to literary haunts around the world. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're still going to be around multiple times in a month. Um, Again, that first and third Monday of every month. But I am really looking forward to kind of those deeper dives into the novel, really being a completist within one episode. And if that wasn't enough to really entice me, your pitch was better. It's like, what if we just started drinking earlier? And then the book part came later. Yeah, I, yeah. I buried the lead, as they say. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and again, Umberto was really cool about it because he was sick of us, you know, cleaning up our microphones at one o'clock in the morning. Like it was much nicer for him. To- yeah, it frees up their booth a couple more times a week now. So I think yeah. that's probably best for the stardust at the very least. So let's get back into what we're reading, because the next one is a huge departure from what it is that we've been doing in the past. Yeah, we are going to be doing a as-yet-to-be-named graphic novel. This is something Dr. McCallum and I have been talking a lot about. Neither one of us is a comic book fan. Uh, or at least an avid reader. Yeah, I, an I avid reader. I wouldn't say that I'm not a fan. I'm just, because it may imply that I'm a detractor. It's just just not something I actively read. Yeah, I think we both appreciate it from afar. I think we both recognize that it's, especially in more recent times, has become a far more legitimate literary art form. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you think of Neil Gaiman, Alan Moore, there's some real heavyweights that have put their creative talents behind this medium. And we don't know which graphic novel we're going to do yet, but I think that's part of the excitement of literary guys. We certainly are going to want our listener feedback on that. If there's a graphic novel that you think we could really sink our teeth into uh, when it comes to themes surrounding masculinity, at least, we are absolutely open ears. Like I said, we're not big comic book fans ourselves. Uh, we appreciate the genre. I, I grew up reading a lot of Spectacular Spider-Man, and in, certainly with this new burst of creativity in the Marvel Universe and everything, I wish maybe I'd stuck with it, because it seems like there's some really compelling storylines that Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I maybe missed out on not being an adult reader of comics or graphic novels, but we're going to do a graphic novel in its entirety. Um, we'll be announcing that a little bit later on in the season, but absolutely want your feedback. If there's a graphic novel that might not be on our radar as true fans of the genre, please let us know. This is where we could really use your help. I think probably along the way in that month, at least I'll be talking about Scott McCloud's wonderful book, understanding comics, which really Mm. helped me see the art form for what it is. I think I'd always appreciated it to some degree, but it wasn't until I read that book that I really could see the artistic elements that I was missing. Oh, interesting. I'm going to have to pick that up myself. I think that would be helpful. It's a fantastic book. So moving on here, in August, we'll be doing our second quote-unquote listener's choice of the year. And, and again, I think it would be great if by seasons you know, five or six, we're doing all listener's choice. I think mm-hmm. that would be I totally agree. 
so enriching for us as well. But um, this and one is really a, take the work out of it for us, which is most important. <laughs> That's true. Um, this one's really exciting because it, it's tackling an author. I think a lot of us have read maybe one work from, but probably aren't completionists of his work. Um, and actually really tackles some interesting later in life ideas that I haven't seen put to print in quite the same way. This is from our uh, regular listener, Jorge, from Edmonton, Canada. Mm -hmm. And he is recommending, and we will be reading, Memories of My Melancholy Whores by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. This is one I've been wanting to read for a while, so very excited about that. And in September, we are back to school. Again, we're trying to continue some of the ideas that we started last season. What better way to go back to school than with maybe the classic of high school literature, To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. Oh, man, I am excited. This is Go set a watchman because <laughs> oh, you're going to no. be excited. No. no. Uh, do, we will not be reading Go set a watchman. We will not be referring to it. Oh, that I will is- be. <laughs> That is a book that um, I started reading, uh, Ghost Set of Watchmen, obviously the quote-unquote sequel to To Kill a Mockingbird, which was really just a rough draft that someone kind of suckered Harper Lee in the last six months of her life into publishing. And when I read that thing about a third of the way into it, I threw the book across the room, and that book remained at that spot on my floor for the remainder of my duration in that apartment. I refused to even touch it. So that's a very poor introduction to... (laughs) What is a book that I am extremely excited about doing. We loved the Of Mice and Men discussion, returning to one of those books that we had read in high school. And this really got spurned on by the fact that, you know, for a podcast about masculinity in literature, we really have very few shining examples of masculinity that we've covered. (laughs) Atticus Finch is really one of those paragons of great masculinity it's what we think of when we think of good father figures it's what we think of principled men and you know i haven't read this probably maybe since college Uh, so i'm excited to kind of return to it and i'm very much looking forward to talking about a positive man for once because in october (laughs) we are not going to be talking about positive men we're going to be doing another look at the collected works of a singular author. Yes, yes. And this author is Dashiell Hammett. Or Dashiell, as he preferred. And we will talk about that in October. Dashiell Hammett, amazing author, mm-hmm. wrote a few books that you've probably heard of. The Maltese Falcon, The Thin Man, amongst others. Actually only wrote five books. If you wanted to read his collected works, you actually could. We wanted something that was a little easier to manage. All these books are kind of bite size. I would say elevated dime store novel style. They're, mm-hmm. they're easy to read, but there is still a lot that you can sink your teeth into. They're, like you said, some of the classic mysteries. Sam Spade, what an incredible oh, yeah. literary character. Nick and Nora Charles, um, not just great drinkware. Mm-hmm. Also interesting detectives in their own right. And uh, when we were talking about another author that we could kind of dive into the works, famous alcoholic author who only writes about other alcoholics, I'm in. They are very well written. I yeah, will say yeah. that. Like, it, I, I know we, we joke about it, but it, it's actually really compelling literature to read. Like you said, a fascinating character in his own right who I think will really lend itself to that long form yep. format of exploring a man and his work. So that will be October, the works of Dashiell slash Dashiell Hammett. 
The November choice that we've got, you were telling me, was an inspiration to Ken Burns. Yeah. Um, We are going to continue kind of our run of doing war novels. And we wanted to do a war novel this year that was from a war we haven't tackled. We've done World War I. We've danced around World War II quite a bit. We did the Korean War with the Bridges of Tokori. With this, we are really, really excited to kind of go back in time even further and talk about the American Civil War with another Pulitzer Prize winning novel, The Killer Angels by Michael Shera. This is one of those works that kind of blurs the line between fiction and historical realism. All of the characters are actual people that existed during the Battle of Gettysburg for Mm -hmm. that three-day period, but obviously a lot of the conversations that they might be having are a little bit fictionalized, but it's really based on an incredibly well-researched background. lends a lot of insight into both the North and the South and their roles in that conflict, that battlefield, and then that greater conflict of the U.S. Civil War. And I just think it's an interesting opportunity for us to kind of look at war through the eyes of generals we've looked at war through the eyes of civilians so far and we've looked at war through the eyes of the common soldier and what is it like to be the kind of men who would gravitate toward those positions of leadership and indeed put other men in positions of great peril it's an interesting examination of that and again as all these novels are an incredibly well-written work and i'm excited that we get to tackle that you left out that we looked at war through the lens of commanders in a Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> Washington commanders? Yes, exactly. And then uh, we will be finishing off our season three with what is unequivocally my favorite novel. And I am already Ooh. giddy with excitement. So we're going to reread Nothing Lasts Forever? We are going to read the novelization of the novelization of Nothing Lasts Forever, which itself inspired the movie Die Hard. Ah. No, we will not be reading anything by Roderick Thorpe now or for the end of time or until we get really desperate for listeners and we just read all of his work in season 10. We are going to be reading probably one of my favorite authors, certainly my favorite novel, an American classic and one of the greatest explorations of masculinity that I know ever put to paper, The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. I think it'll be interesting to dig into because much has been said. Yes. And I think looking at it from a personal view of like what you and I took away from it as opposed to like what society and teachers and everything else have told us we should take away from it. Like I I think it will be really interesting. So going at that more personal angle, I think what really sold me about this is the right book for December is it's full of parties. (laughs) And what more can be said about the holiday season than it's a time for some parties. I really appreciate your pitch for that. If you're looking for insight into The Great Gatsby, you won't find it here. (laughs) (laughs) What a wonderful pitch. No, but I, I think you're right. It is one of those things that's been examined ad nauseum. Examined to the point, I think, that a lot of people might not have read it in its entirety because it's one of those things you think you know about. And it's one of those, I read it once a year without fail. I brew myself a big pot of tea and uh, maybe a martini. And I sit out on my porch and I read it all in one sitting. And I encourage you to do the same because it is one of the most beautifully written works in the English language. And for me, it will always just hold a special place in my heart. And I can't wait to share it with you guys. And that's it. That is our 2023 season. I mean, I, I hope you agree that it's got a lot of variety and it's going to give us a lot of different angles to look at men, at masculinity, to do everything from looking at the 1980s 
to ending with the 1920s. These were both periods of extreme change that were yeah. going on as well. So that'll be a theme that we keep coming back to time and time again. But hopefully this couple month lead time will let you all have a chance to start reading these books. And I know we're incredibly excited to be able to start talking about them in March. And I'm really looking forward to those third Mondays of every month, too, where we kind of throw some curveballs at our listeners. We do a dramatic reading here or there that no one needs to prepare for. We can do all the preparation. Mm-hmm. They can just sit back and listen. I'm hopeful that kind of active engagement and that kind of passive engagement is going to be a way to kind of keep this thing feeling fresh, keep everyone both at home and here in the studio from feeling fatigued. Um, we definitely want your feedback on that new format, and we are really excited. Did you ever think we'd get to a season three of this thing? No. Yeah, I assume by season two we were going to pull a white lotus and completely change the cast and the setting and everything about it. So you know. the only thing I can promise you about literary guys is that there will always be a Jennifer Coolidge. Wait, which one of us is Jennifer? <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, that's a question to ponder until you join us again on March sixth. So until then, this has been Literary Guys signing off.